Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee hover? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm fired up, Shane, more than usual. Because, of course, we are a week away, literally, here from SEC Media Days, Nashville. Second time the podcast is going to be there. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's, football season is here. You know what? Hell yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it as well, brother. I'm, I was, we were joking before we got online here about the bearded iris. Just a reminder, we're going to be down there Saturday between 3 and 6. That's Central Time. Yep. Uh, so that's, uh, what is that, 4 to 5 Eastern Time? Doesn't matter. Just show up. Have some cold beers with Big Cousin Shane and Little Cousin Mike. <laughs> hey, the Flying Hawaiian's going to be there, too. So it's it may just be the three of us, but that's all right. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, brother. If he's coming all the way from Hawaii, surely some of these fans can get out to Bearded Irish Shane at 101 Van Buren Street, Nashville, Tennessee. It's uh, right near the top golf. So, yeah, like Shane said, we'll be there Saturday, July 15th, 3 to 6 eastern time and uh, they got food trucks there shane of course they got plenty of beers so yeah that's gonna be what heck of a time you know what absolutely and again we're just gonna be cutting loose it's gonna be laid back it's nothing formal it's nothing fancy we don't do fancy on this podcast (laughs) just come there hang out with us shoot the shit talk a little college football talk about some pod experiences you know whatever you want to talk about we're just there to hang out and uh, have some fun brother Right. And hey, Shane, a little announcement here. Uh, we've had a ton of people reach out to us that have subscribed, given us reviews. We're still open to everybody that wants to do that. Uh, so subscribe and review, written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and subscribe on YouTube. And we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge. Just reach out to us at that SEC podcast at gmail.com or reach us via any social media. We'll respond to you. You just, you know, send those screenshots over to us. But uh, announcement, Shane, Tennessee, we got about 75 Tennessee people sitting here saying, well, where the hell's my koozie? <laughs> they just got in, so they're getting sent out immediately Monday. So just want to make that announcement. We got all the SEC teams covered. We had Tennessee. We just ran out, Shane. So plenty of koozies. My mailman's going to hate me by the end of the week. You know what? <laughs> It's it. Mike doesn't know it, but it's just me sending random. You know, every iPhone I get to, so I get another UT koozie. So, <laughs> jokes on you, Mike. No, I, again, this is awesome. A lot of fan support. Uh, it's kind of funny how that thing went out there. Uh, yeah, it doesn't take long. Just take a couple of screenshots, send it to that SEC podcast at Gmail. That way, we keep up with it. It's not that we don't want it to Twitter and tiktok and all these guys it's just it's a little bit easier if we could just navigate through the email so uh right. yeah be, get, be sure to get those out because i, I want to see mike i want to see an abundance of beer shots this this saturday you know when college football's and you know if you make it it's funny how many times these koozies have made it inside stadiums you know if you get there and you're drinking a cold beer throw it up send it to me and mike we'll be sure to retweet it yeah without a doubt shane and uh hey so on this episode one of the teams fans have been waiting for where in the hell is our Florida Gator preview, Shane. <laughs> we're going to get to it. And, again, we're Gator homers 
on this Woo. episode. So we're going to be it's hyping gonna be a up. tough one. Billy Napier. <laughs> oh, you got me breaking already, Shay. But before we get to that, I just we got an outstanding email that I had to get to real quick here, Shane. It was, I believe it was on the Georgia preview and hell it's been on every preview, basically Shane, the fact that the SEC is just inundated with these Australian punters. We actually got an email from Australia, Shane. I can't believe people are listening to Australia. Come on now. Explaining this Australian punting situation that has taken over from uh, our buddy, cousin Maurice, out there in Australia, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read his email. It's great here, Shane. G'day, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, that's what it says. First off, love the show. Honest, and he's being honest here, Shane. He's letting us know you're close to my favorite college show. <laughs> you give old Josh Pay to run for his money, so appreciate that, Maurice. Just explaining the Aussie punter situation. Most of us grow up playing a sport called Australian Rules Football. AFL is what they call it he says just look up afl highlights you'll see tons of it he says we can all punt it pretty well it's something we've been doing since we were young enough to kick a football i'll explain it this way you know how you play catch with with your dad throwing a ball back and forth well we Mm -hmm. grew up playing catch with our feet kicking it to one another so all the blokes heading across the states to punt for college programs are guys with big legs who didn't quite make it to the pro leagues playing Aussie rules footy. So we got in touch with the academy that we referenced on that Georgia show. He said, you could drive to any small town in Australia. There's about 20 guys who could be at least a shitty punter in college football (laughs) just because we all know how to kick it so well. So they, they just grew up doing it, Shane. So I just thought that was great. I really appreciate uh, Maurice from Australia clearing that up but um it makes sense when he puts it like that doesn't it i love that man i mean you're not good enough to make it in the afl so we're sending you to tuscaloosa <laughs> you know do you like chargers because you're driving one now you know <laughs> i love that man i it's kind of funny thinking about it um you know you, you, you see some of these kids especially with soccer and stuff they just do it for such a young age and that's just why it's been such a disadvantage for certain countries and and now you find out australia all they do is punt the ball over there so it makes sense <laughs> that all the best are over there yeah well it's kind of like you know, there's a lot of players that uh, basketball players that are pretty good, but they're you know in college and they're not good enough in the NBA. What do they got to do, Shay? They got to go to Europe. Yeah, uh, they got to go to China. You know, and I I think that's you know it makes sense to me. It's soccer players. It seems like uh, U.S. You know, we get the players when they were good yeah. in Europe 20 years ago. They they're about to retire. <laughs> they come to America play soccer. You know what? Absolutely. Well, I just think it's fascinating, all them punters over there. You always wondered, and I'm glad that we got a cousin out there that actually knows what's going on. And we got one, the land down under. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shay, let's get to uh, the Florida preview. And before we get into it, I want to give a shout out one more time to our guys. Shane, they sent me the preview magazine uh, with uh, Nick Knudsen. We had him on recently. Will Miles, he's been on the show a number of times. How I studied to prepare up for this Florida Gators preview, Shane, is I read their preview magazine that they sent to me. You can get a copy of your own over at readandreaction.com. They're not paying me anything to say that, Shane. I'd like it that much. Two great guys over at readandreaction.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for them Florida diehards to get their copy of the preview magazine. It's If you love the Gators, this is a must-have for your preseason. Uh, you know, we all need – something to devour during the preseason leading up to these games. And, and this magazine really covered 
the Florida Gators will. So let's do as we always do, Shane. Brief recap of last season. Six and seven mm-hmm. season for the Florida Gators. Uh, lost in the Las Vegas Bowl to Oregon State. But they had about half their team sitting out for it. So don't really hold that against them. But, you know, th- this is going to sound weird to say, Shane, but it almost would have been better off, I feel like, for Billy Napier had they lost in the opener to Utah. Because I mm-hmm. think that, you know, with Anthony Richardson going off and fans getting excited about the Billy Napier era, I mean, I think expectations got raised immediately. And then, you know, what was it, a week later, they lose to Kentucky at home. Yeah. And it kind of reset. Well, maybe we're not as far as long as, as we thought we were. So, right. uh, I don't know. So, I, it, that's a weird way of asking you that question, Shane. But do you think it would have been better for Billy Napier had they lost to Utah in the opener? Or, I don't, I don't know, mm. what's your thoughts on that? That's tough, Mike, uh, because it did a lot of good things. It did put it, it did put them back on the map, you know. Right. Um, a lot of people weren't talking about the Florida Gators going into 22. And then after that game, say what you want, everybody knew who Anthony Richardson was. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew who the Florida Gators were, and they knew the potential. And, and I think that was what was so frustrating as an outsider, maybe hell, even to the fans, mm-hmm. is that you saw a little glimpse of, I mean, you saw it all throughout the season last year, just little flashes of of greatness. You you, you mentioned the Utah, but what about Tennessee? You know, that thing went down to the wire. We had, what, 500 yards passing. It's like, okay, well, now the Florida's just moving a little slow. They're just a little inconsistent if they could figure that out. So I think that was the most frustrating part. Not so much the Utah win. It was just the ups and downs throughout the entire season. Yeah, and and really that was highlighted by – Pretty much losing to every rival on your schedule, Shane. Georgia, yeah. of course, Florida State, Tennessee. I mean, they they lost to LSU. They lost all of them. So, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's the first step for Billy Napiers. You're not going to probably beat all those teams this year unless you have one hell of a year. Uh, yeah. you're, you're just not going to beat all of them. So, you got to flip about half of those, I think, and then look towards year three to potentially win as many rivalry games as you possibly can. But let's start – with the coaching staff, Shane, Billy Napier, of course, year two in Gainesville. He's got an outstanding overall record, Shane. He's 46-19, and 19, Sun Belt champion 2021, 2-2 two and two in bowl games. He was 40-12 and 12 at Louisiana, just 6-7, and seven, of course, at Florida. Uh, he was 1-2 against top 10 teams last year. But overall, Shane, this is rough, 2-9 and nine against top 25 competition. Uh, and of course, three and five last season as an SEC coach beating Missouri, A and M. That was probably their best win. Maybe yeah. South Carolina. That South was Car- yeah. That was a hell of a win. But then you lost to Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, and the the biggest black eyes Vanderbilt. But right, hell, Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt his first year too. So yeah, uh, Nick Saban lost to ULM his first year. So I mean, a, a lot of these coaches lose their year one. It's it's year two is when you really, I think, start to can judge one of these SEC coaches, Shane. But this was a jarring stat because entering last his first season at Florida, uh, this is something that we highlighted. Billy Napier was sixteen and three in one score games at Louisiana. That's unheard of. That's ridiculously right. good. That's an indication of a great coach. But last season, Shane, three and three in one score games. And that's, you know, that's, that's obviously it's average. I mean, that's, 
that's where an average coach is in the SEC, Shade, yeah. three and three. So we got to find out, and maybe we will this fall. Will he be closer to the, the 16 and three coach in one score games? Or is, he, or is he really just a 500 coach in the nation's toughest conference? I don't know. That, that remains to be seen. But, uh, well, I know it's early, Shane. It's just one year. But um, what was your, what's your main takeaways of seeing Billy Napier coach Florida team just his first year in Gainesville? You know, it's it's so it's it's so hard to judge first year coaches when they come in, and, and and you look over there at Brian Kelly and and what he was able to do with LSU. That's the comparison you're getting, yeah. SEC West champ. You know, and and I don't think that's fair because when you come in, a lot of times you're just you're I mean you're duct taping, you're bubble wrapping this hot mess. I mean, you got to remember why he's there. He was there because another coach got fired. You mm-hmm. know, this program wasn't winning national championships when he rolled in. So it, it, it is a rebuild. And that's one thing we, we knew was going to happen with Billy. I mean, he wanted to gut this thing all the way down to the studs. You know what I'm saying? And then right. build this thing up. But this makeshift team, you know, if you don't have it, brother, if you don't pick the right pieces in the portal or if you lose the right, you know, or if you got a little cancer in that locker room, it, it lingers throughout the season. And, and I feel like that's kind of what we had, just a combination of lack of depth, lack of experience. And and, and you can't – I don't want to put all that on, on Coach Napier because, you know, when I'm looking at a coach, now I'm, especially a new coach, it's it's one thing to lose – but it's another if he's not rebuilding. And I know we're going to get to it, brother, but you you got to say what you want, man. The kid can recruit, and, and they're bringing in talent. And I think that's the optimism that we're getting down there in Gainesville. Like, hey, shit's been tough for here for a couple of years, but we've got a brighter future if we could just keep playing our cards right. Yeah, and I think the toughest thing for Billy Napier's shade, and it's, none of this is his fault, but these are like the toughest – schedules i've ever seen florida play in their history compound that by the fact that your biggest rival just won back-to-back national championships Uh, lsu is seemingly on the rise tennessee kentucky south carolina all on the rise oh yeah your other arch rival florida state i know we don't believe in them but a lot of people do and they're they're gonna be preseason top 10 that's just again that doesn't have anything to do with napier but Fans are – I don't think they look at it that way. If those yeah. all those teams are good and Florida's not, they're going to say, well, hell, let's bring in someone that can steer this ship around. But I, I think you hit on the most crucial part, Shane. He's there for a reason, and it's because the last guy did such a bad job with roster management. And so far, Billy Napier is off to a great start rebuilding this roster. So yeah. we, we got to give him time to get his guys in there and see what he can do with them. And the coaching staff, Shane, mostly intact this year. The big one, the defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong, lost uh, Patrick Tony last year's coordinator, took an assistant job with the, uh, I believe, the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. Austin Armstrong, Shane, he was defensive coordinator at Southern Miss the last two years. Uh, Last season, Shane, how about this? Southern Miss ranked third in the country in tackles for loss, fifth in the country in sacks, seventh in the country in interceptions, and third – in fourth down defense. So some numbers there that suggest suggest this is one hell of a hire, Shane. And and many Alabama people, you know, they at Nick Saban hired this guy to be his linebackers coach for about nine days before Billy Napier stole him away. They were wishing that uh, Nick Saban named this guy 
the defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong. So 29-year-old, when he was at Southern Michigan, he was the youngest defensive coordinator in all of college football. Now he's the youngest coordinator in the SEC. If they got themselves a, a you know, the next guru here on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, who knows, Florida, may, maybe we're all underrating what he can do with this uh, this Gators defense. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you could spin that a million ways, and and I and I I love it. I, I think they got a hell of a hire here, Mike. But I I want to ask you a question about the coaching. Were you surprised there wasn't more turnover here, or the speculation of bringing it? Because you know, I'm I'm not saying this was all Billy's number one guys that came in last year, but it just felt like we may have saw more turnover, but we didn't. Are you surprised about that? Yeah, a little bit, because uh, I remember when Napier got hired, there was a lot of praise for this coaching staff, and a lot of the guys have NFL experience, and yeah. particularly uh, the offensive line. They got two offensive line coaches, Shane. They're one of the few that's got two, but uh, they worked wonders. Remember, under Na- uh, uh, Mullen, I mean, this offensive line was a train wreck. Right. They were one of the strongest offensive lines in, in the SEC last year, so – yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a good point keeping this staff together. I mean, I think that's another reason to like what Billy Napier is doing. I mean, yeah. again, he lost his coordinator to the NFL. He lost his receivers coach to the NFL. So what's he do? Turn around and, and hire Billy Gonzalez, who's been who is the, the receivers coach under Mullen and Urban Meyer. So this is his third time as Florida's receivers coach. Uh, you, you literally could not get a guy that knows what he's doing better in Gainesville than old Billy Gonzalez to coach your receivers. So I, I think hell, most of the receivers on the roster were recruited by Billy Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Well played. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> but so let's focus next, Shane, on the returning production for the Florida Gators. And uh, this is less than ideal here, Shane, on the offensive side of the football. 6% of the passing yards are back mm-hmm. from last season. Jack Miller – uh, led the way with 180 passing yards. But we got an outstanding rushing attack, Shane. 64% of the rushing attack is back, led by Montreal Johnson, who led the team in rushing. He's back. With, he had 841 yards last year. Receiving yards, 47% back. Uh, Ricky Pershaw led the team. He's back at 661. But only, uh, depending on how you slice it, one or two starters back on the offensive line. So a lot of change on the offensive side of the ball. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because they were, they were just so inconsistent last year. But a big reason why a lot of people got question marks is just the lack of continuity outside of anywhere other than the, the really the running back position and a couple of receivers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm really excited about this running back room and we're going to get to that, but uh, you know, I, I, like you said, with we didn't know the names last year coming in with this offensive line, so I, I'm not hitting the panic button by no means. I feel like they got a little bit more depth this season, which I think is going to help out. But you know, when you got two coaches coaching them up, you know what I'm saying? You get a lot of one-on-one uh, uh, coaching here. I, I think I think we'll be fine on that side, but we're definitely going to need some dudes to step up. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and uh, it's evident, Shane, by just looking at the the transfer portal. A lot of guys, I don't want to say jumping ship, but maybe just not fits for what Billy Napier wants to do. And, and considering, you know, how bad the season went last year, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you, you want more guys bought in than you want 
just to have on your roster that aren't uh, contributing. The Gators, Shane, had 29 guys exit via the portal. Um, I, I think the biggest impact, probably the receiver, Xavier Henderson. He led Florida in catches last season. He's now at Cincinnati. Uh, the tight end, Nick Elskis, now he's at South Carolina. So that hurts you. Uh, a couple offensive linemen, Shane. Michael Tarquin, now he's at Southern Cal as a projected starter. Uh, Joshua Braun, now at Arkansas, projected starter. Ethan White, uh, injury status, but he entered the transfer portal. Three running backs, another receiver, tons of, of linemen across the board, tons of, of players hitting the portal, but not a lot of impact players. I think that's more key than the overall number, so that's yeah. something to consider. Now, as for guys they're bringing in, Shane, brought in 12 transfers led by the quarterback, Graham Mertz, who we anticipate yeah. will be the starting quarterback from Wisconsin. He's 59% passer in his career at Wisconsin, 5,400 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. Not much of a runner, Shane, minus 21 rushing for his career. So, kind of the opposite of old Anthony Richardson. You know what? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> – I don't think that's a bad thing, Mike. I really don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, again, we're talking clean slate here, and uh, mm-hmm. I like some of the pieces they added. Right, and with these, like you said, we'll get to these running backs we're excited to talk about. We don't need a quarterback to run the ball with these backs yeah. we got here. <laughs> that's right. Now, uh, one guy creating waves down there, though, is another transfer from Memphis, Shane. Defense alignment, Cam Jackson, 51 tackles, five tackles for loss, two and a half sacks at Memphis. The stats are not going to blow you away with him, but he's he's your classic interior uh, run stuff and, you know, uh, absorb some blockers type. So Cam Jackson, likely going to be a day one starter. Linebacker from Ohio State, Taraj Mitchell, 63 tackles, seven tackles for losses, a member of the Buckeyes. He could be a starter at linebacker. Safety, R.J. Moten from Michigan, 66 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, uh, one and a half sacks, two picks. And then these guys could all be starters right away, Shane, on the offensive line. That's why I'm not panicking too much with uh, the, the transition there. Kenyatta Goodwin from Kentucky, the former five-star. Damian George from Alabama. He's got some starting experience, I believe. Micah Mazuka from Baylor. He was a starter at Baylor mm-hmm. last couple of years. So if we could plug all these guys in, that's three yeah. starting spots potentially. Through, and, and they may be upgrades for the Florida yeah. Gators on the offensive line. Uh, running back from Tulane, add him to the mix, Shane Cameron Carroll, 1,600 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns in his career at Tulane. So we got some nice pieces here to bolster, uh, and they really had to do this. They had to add via yeah. the transfer portal to to add depth across the board. Well, that's all this is, Mike. This is this is depth. This is this – is, <sighs> shit, Mike, it's cliche and I hate it, but it's a rebuild – and, and it's going to take a couple of years. This, I don't think we just kill it immediately, but you know, you're setting the groundwork here. You're, you're building this thing up and, and it, it's going to take a while with, with Wade, Billy likes to do things and you got a lot of young talent coming in. And, and this is, you know, these bodies that you're talking about here, a lot of that is buying time for some of these young studs to figure it out, to put some weight on, you know, to learn the playbook, to be impact players. So um, it's a little bit slow, but I'm telling you, if you could just be patient down there, I, the, the, the Florida Gators are going to be back, man. 
Yeah, and it all starts with recruiting, Shane. They signed the number 14 recruiting class in the country. That was fifth best in the SEC. Some mm-hmm. of the, the guys that uh, could make an impact right away, Shane, the number four interior offensive lineman, Roger Kearney, the number five defensive lineman, Kelby J- uh, Collins, the number seven corner, K- uh, Jakeem Jackson, the number eight safety, Dijon Johnson, and then three receivers. Hearing a lot of buzz about these guys, Shane, the number 20 receiver, Aiden Mizell, the 21 receiver, Eugene Wilson, and actually this guy is the lowest rated of the bunch, but number the number 56 receiver, Andy Jean, yeah. he may start. I mean, I, I'm hearing he's that good, Andy Jean. So I think credit uh, Billy Napier and their staff for identifying uh, a prospect that – I mean, he was still a four-star. I mean, let's not say he's awful <laughs> or anything like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to need help from a lot of these guys, and, and uh, I can't wait to see them on the field this fall. Yeah, it's always been kind of funny. You know, it's always been running backs that had that immediate impact, but you're seeing more and more receivers come in mm-hmm. already college ready. I mean, you look at some of these academies and yeah. camps that they're going to, they're working with professionals 24-7. So you're starting to see some of these younger kids pop earlier in the season. Right, and I think that's just in high school more teams passing the ball. You know what? Yeah. I mean, remember when we were in high school, I think the quarterback for our team – he. He had uh, he had more interceptions on the year than he had pass attempts because they just never threw the damn ball, you know. <laughs> Dude, I could count on one hand how many times we would throw a ball during the game, so it would drive me damn nuts. Because every time we do it, it's productive. I'm like, well, why don't we? Who's who? Why don't we do it again? You know, <laughs> gotta be careful in case coaches listening. You know, <laughs> still love you, man. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's rank the offensive uh, position groups. And, and, of course, this is going to be easy at the top of the list. It's got to be them running backs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> far and away, brother. If It's like A, and then now we're getting down to C. You know, we're going to right, skip right. B here. So, and that, yeah, that, a, that, a, that room's loaded. And there's a reason why those kids left, because it's going to be a while before they touch the field. Yeah, thanks to Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. They were both outstanding Last season, yeah. they'll be outstanding again. The transfer from Tulane, I mentioned, Shane Cam Carroll, 1,600 rushing yards. That's a hell of a third stringer to have. And then they signed the number 20 running back in the country, Tayshawn Webb. So we go four deep here, yeah. and uh, that, that's great because that's where you know Florida's offensive identity is, running the football. Um, yeah, we could have several studs here. You know what? Yeah, and they're different, you know. I I I watch I watch his is his brother right that plays for Jacksonville. Yep, um, Etn. It's 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 just funny how dynamic he is and his brother. It's just it's almost like watching. It's like they're switching shoulder pads. And it, it's you know after the game he goes to Jacksonville to play or something. I don't know, but I just love watching these guys because they've got so many different things that they can do. It's just it's not the same build down there is what I'm trying to say. Right. And next on my rankings list here, Shane, I'm going with the offensive line, even though we're not returning a ton of guys with experience, Shane. And uh, I, I have listed the the heights and weights for all these guys because you're going to see a theme, Shane, here. Billy Napier has got him a type. Uh, they're, they're one starter returning the center, Kingsley Uguanakan. I hope I said that right. Started all 13 games last year, Shane. Six foot three, three hundred pounds for a center. That's it's pretty damn big. <laughs> Guys, they got returning though. Austin Barber, breakout star yeah. potential, five starts last year. He was freshman, all American at the tackle position. Shane, six foot six, 
311 pounds. Come on now. Bringing back uh, Richie Leonard, one start last year, uh, six foot four, 314 pounds. Cameron, how big? Wait, how big was he? Uh, th- 314 pounds. No, how tall? I'm sorry. Uh, six foot four. Okay, but now, now that's how that's how big I was supposed to be. <laughs> then I stopped. <laughs> started going out this way. He's a, he's a small one of the bunch, Shane. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, man. I was, I've never been so hard. I I blew my knee out freshman year, and I'm going there and and getting it looked at, and and the, and the doctor made a comment to my mom. He says, "Well, his growth plates are already set," and I was just like, "What? This is as tall as I'm going to be? How can I play for the Tennessee Balls at five eleven? You know, <laughs> it's too late to take up golf. You know, <laughs> damn it." <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about the now now we're getting into the real beef here. Shane Cameron Watts, six foot eight, three hundred and sixty-two pounds. Oh, golly. Jordan Herman, six foot eight, three hundred and seventy-two pounds. And then here's the transfers they brought in. Shane Kenyatta Goodwin from Kentucky, six foot eight, three hundred and fifty-three pounds. Damian George from Bama, six foot six, three hundred and sixty-nine pounds. Micah Mazuka from Baylor, six foot five, three hundred. 29 pounds so they like them yeah. big down there at gaysville shane golly say a prayer for that cooking staff down there working <laughs> all the time you know it's like when i walk into a chinese buffet oh no we closed you know they're saying that to these boys <laughs> all right next uh on my list here shane is the receivers so we got a couple of quality guys here ricky Persall, he really came on at the tail end of the season uh, Jaquavion Frazier's breakout star potential, Marcus Burke as well, Caleb Douglas made some plays last year, and Ty Bowman. Those are the guys that are kind of that are coming back. And then those three freshmen, Aiden Mizell, Eugene Wilson, Andy Jean. I don't think, you know, this is the deepest room in the SEC right. by any means, but again, with our identity and what we're trying to do, I don't think we need to be in Gainesville right now. No, that's uh, – that's not the recipe that, that he's working with. Now, again, two, three years from now, maybe we're going to need this receiver room to step up. We just mm-hmm. really – we need one or two guys. You know, we we need one or two guys to just, uh, hey, I'm ready. I'm SEC ready, and I can make big plays. That's that's what we need here in that room. Yeah. So, next I got quarterback, Shane, with Graham Mertz leading the way, the Wisconsin transfer, Jack Miller former Ohio State transfer that we saw in the bowl game, and then the youngin, Max Brown. So this is another unit that's, uh, you know, a little bit lacking some depth, lacking some experience, uh, aside from Graham Mertz, who's got a – he had a ton of experience at Wisconsin. But as they find out quickly, Shade, experience outside the SEC, just it ain't quite the same when they come down here, is it? (laughs) No, it is not. And, yeah, I was just thinking because I still get – caught into that uh, quarterback ranking list you put out there you know and and, and I want to emphasize when you put Mertz there at 14 mm-hmm. you it was more about question marks wasn't it I mean I mean obviously you could see him moving up this list pretty damn quick yeah uh I mean it, it just it's everything involved Shane I mean I just don't given the receivers Given the inexperience on the offensive line, we're about to get to tight ends. That's another huge question mark. Um, I don't, I don't know that the targets are going to be there. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're running for three hundred yards a game and they're passing for a hundred, 
I mean, how mm-hmm. can, we can't rightfully say, well, that's the best damn quarterback in the foot in the league. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I get you. I'm I'm with you. I see where you're going. Yeah. So again, hating on the tight ends, but for good reason here, Shade. A, a starter Keon Zipper unfortunately lost in the spring. Uh, he's out for the season. Yeah, it's believed. Uh, Jonathan Odom, their number two, he got hurt in the spring, Shane. He may not be ready for the season opener. I, I think they anticipate he'll play, but they don't know when he'll be back. Uh, Dante Zanders they have. He's the only guy that's that's really done anything in college. And then they got a couple other guys, uh, Arliss Boardingham, Scott Isaacs, Hayden Hansel, and Andre Savinia. But none of these guys are, have made any kind of impact in, in college football. So, um, I mean, huge, huge question mark for the second year in a row is the tight end position, which uh, with this offense, they at Louisiana at least, they like to go two tight ends. They, I don't know if they got two tight ends they can put on the field. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because Florida's had some dudes come through there, you know, some some right. of the best tight ends. And, and they've kind of went through a little drought here the last five, ten years, you know. They need – well, I guess Pitts was the last one. But, mm-hmm. you know, since then it's it's been a it's kind of a desert. So, I, I'm sure Billy will find a few, but – Hell, he's going to have to orchestrate something here. Maybe put some weight on one of these receivers that ain't making it. You or, know? or slim down one of these giant offensive <laughs> yeah, That's right. You six, yeah, get one of those six, seven bastards out there. Just put a good jersey on him. Let him go out five yards. You just need him to block. I mean, you know. All right, ranking uh, the defensive position group. Shane, I'm going defensive back. As the best, this was tough. I mean, because across the board, there's questions at, at every level of the defense. But I like the group we got at defensive back. Jason Marshall at corner, former five-star. Jadon Hill, he had a nice bounce back last season. Kamari Wilson was the highest-rated signee two years ago. So it could be a big breakout season for him. Uh, Jalen Kimber, the former five-star, I believe he was, transferred from Georgia. Miguel Mitchell. Uh, uh, Jadarius Perkins was, I believe, the number one junior college corner two years ago, and Devin Moore. So we got some talent. Also adding that transfer from Michigan, R.J. Moten, and then the number seven corner, Jakeem Jackson, the number eight safety, Dejon Johnson. So a lot of talent. This is a very deep defensive backfield, and that I think that's kind of what gave him the edge, in my opinion. I, I think this is the, the unit that we're best positioned – to have some depth uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and so at times last year, that's what got him in trouble. So I think being able to rotate some of these guys, I think that's a big plus. So, again, it's not a whole bunch of A-plus talent, but it's a lot of good talent that they can keep rotating. Right. Now, next I got linebacker Shane headlined by Shamar James. He was freshman all at, all SEC last season, came yeah, on strong. Stud. Derek Wingo, Scooby Williams, uh, Justice Boone, Solid players, and then a couple of transfers. The, the guy from Michigan, oh, excuse me, uh, Ohio State, Taraja Mitchell, Manny Nunnery from Houston, and Deuce Spurlock from Michigan, as well as the number thir- 32 linebacker recruit in the country, Jaden Robinson. So it's another group where we got some star power, we've got some depth, but we got a lot of questions because a, a lot of inexperience in this group. A lot of inexperience, but man, you got some dudes here. Uh, I like that James kid. I, I, he's definitely going to be playing on Sunday one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kid came out of nowhere. So again, this room, we need another one, maybe two to step up and kind of fill that role. Mm-hmm. 
Now, so that means last I got the defensive line chain. Princely Umanielian led the team with four and a half sacks last uh, season. He's back. I love Desmond Watson, the big 415-pounder yeah. shade. I'll, I mean, I think maybe slightly overrated by everybody just because of his size. But, hey, yeah. he's on the field, He's and he's playing. He's not Has running he slimmed down there. any? Do you know? Every offseason, Shane, he's in the best yeah. shape of his life. He's probably down to 413. You know what? Uh, he's a big old boy, man. He eats up a lot of blocks, but he is fun to watch, especially if he can get him a fumble, you know? Exactly. Uh, Chris McClellan is back. He was a high-rated freshman last year. Uh, Tyreek Sapp, Jalen Humphreys, and Jamari Lyons all back. The transfers, Cam Jackson from Memphis, Caleb Banks from Louisville. And then here's where they, they're loading up, Shane, again, too to Billy Napier's recruiting, really trying to beef up this this defensive line. The number five defensive lineman, Kelby Collins. Number 17 defensive lineman, Cameron James. Number 23 defensive lineman, Will Norman. 38 defensive lineman, TJ Sershi. And number 41 defensive lineman, Gavin Hill. So it's tough to come into the SEC and play as a lineman, but when you sign five of them, Shane, you count on <laughs> at least two or three of them to, to get you some reps. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so last, the specialist, Shane, punter, Jeremy uh, Crayshaw. I just assume he's from Australia. I don't know that for a fact. Kicker, Trey Smack. He's a true freshman, All-American. And they also uh, bring back walk-on Adam Mikhailik. But he was 14 of 21 last year. And in the spring game, hit a 52-yarder and a 48-yarder. So, oh. A little bit of a competition at kicker. Yeah. It's, it's good to have options back here. May get him a scholarship and practice, you know. <laughs> yeah. One of them sweet YouTube videos you see every now and then. Break your heart, you know. <laughs> All right, the top ten Gators, Shane, as they would be rated in the NCAA football game if it was to come out this year. I'm going with our guy Trevor Etienne, Shane. Breakout running back, 93 yeah. overall. And a lot of people say, what the hell, Montreal Johnson's better. Well, He's number two on the list, Shane, 92. <laughs> so I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. I had to put one above the other. Uh, that edge defender, Princely Umanamelian, I gave him a 90 overall. He's a good player. Linebacker mm-hmm. Shamar James, 89 overall. Ricky Persall, 88 overall. Cam Jackson, defensive line transfer, 87. Left tackle Austin Barber, giving him an 85. Jason Marshall, the corner, 83. Kamari Wilson in 80, and Big Dez Watson up there. I give him an 82 because, oh, man, how can you not like the Big Dez? You know what? Oh, man, I'm telling you, and the kid's going to pop one day. I, I truly think – I mean, he's just – he's a star ready to be let loose. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I just hope he comes in at game ready, you know, right out of the gate. <laughs> I can't imagine the NIL offers he gets down there to, you know, all Can all you imagine – I, I I would like to see the material that uh, that our boy Gary's got about two sheets full of information on this kid. So I'd like to keep talking about him, but I know in the first CBS game we're going to be wore out with how big Mister Watson is. You know. <laughs> All right. So biggest camp question, Shane, for me. You know, in the spring game, the defense looked incredible. Now, yeah. is that because the offense is awful? I mean, I don't know. But I, I think the, the success of this team is going to be dictated by how, how far this defense can go. So, 
that's kind of the biggest camp question for me is, is defense legit? How quickly does the offensive line come together with all the new pieces? And then Graham Mertz, does he take some strides following spring going into his second camp as a Florida Gator? Uh, he's experienced. He doesn't need reps in practice, but he'll need reps with the, you know, just, just the unit and in the offense. Yeah, me, man, is, is leadership. Uh, you know, Anthony Richardson's off. Uh, obviously he was a big part of that, that Florida team last year, but mm-hmm. who steps up, man? We got it. We, we got a clean slate here. We got a new room. We got a lot of young, young athletes out here that need some guidance. I, I'm just curious. They haven't come out with the list yet. We don't know the three that are even going to show up for SEC media days, but I'm interested really to see who they pick because, you know, those alpha dogs are going to be the ones that are steering this ship. So um, I, I think that's one of the biggest questions. It's just the, it's, it's behind the scenes. And I know that's, not an easy answer or, you know, an easy thing to look for. It may be something that doesn't show itself until week 10. But, uh, again, it's something I'm looking for. Uh, and, and then, again, offensive line. Uh, a lot of new names, a lot of new pieces. I, I, I like what they did last year. I like to see that continual growth with offensive line because you got good coaches that put these kids in the right spots, and um, I think they'll be fine. They got a hell of a running back room, and, and but you, if you ain't got the holes, you ain't getting anywhere. So yeah. that's that's I guess my second biggest question. All right, Shane. The best part of these previews. Let's break down the schedule: win, loss, or toss up for them Florida Gators. And as always, we're doing this as Florida Gators homers. So we're trying to think what does a I mean, we all get crazy. Yeah. Fans, that's short for fanatics. We're all fanatics <laughs> out there for our team. But we're trying to be reasonable. But also, hey, if it's a 50-50 tie, we're giving it to the Gators here. So <laughs> let's go over the teams, Shane, or excuse me, the games that uh, Florida fans, I think, are, are looking at the schedule and say, these should be wins. And mm-hmm. let me know you disagree with any when I get at the end here. Okay. Skipping the first game, sorry. But McNeese State at home, come on. That's That should be a win, right? Oh, my God. I'm just now looking at the schedule here. Uh, yes, McNeese, definitely win. Tennessee, I realize Tennessee, uh, big bounce back. But, hell, it's in the swamp. Well, own them. What is it, 18 of the last 20? Yeah. Something like that. Florida has won. I think fans, they got this one circled. Not a gimme. But I think it's one they anticipate the Gators should always win. This is – I mean, you brought Billy in, and there's a couple of games that you were expected to win, and there's a couple of games you can't wait to win. Expected to win is against the Tennessee Vols. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's tough seeing the Volunteers down there. But today I'm a Florida Gator fan. And when I'm looking at the last 18, like you said, 18, 20, the only two games you beat us was, was almost miracles. You know, it right. was, it was down to a final possession kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or at least, you know, and both in Neyland stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So I think if you're a Florida Gator fan, you're expecting a win here. Yep. So obviously Charlotte, the following week at home, yep. easy win, easy win Vanderbilt. I don't care where that game's played. You're expected to beat Vanderbilt every single year. Yep. Arkansas at home November 4th. That Florida fans should be expecting to win that, I think. And yep. at Missouri, again, I, I realize that's been a tight contest and, and we're high on Missouri, but 
I don't think there's any Florida fans that think they should ever lose to Missouri, regardless of where that game's played. Would you agree with that? At Missouri should be a win. Florida fans think that should be a win, Mike. And and I want to stop you there for a second. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six wins right now. Yes. As a fan. What does Vegas have their win total this year? Five and a half. Do you see why I'm so high on the Florida Gators? Like, don't wait till the Utah game to put your money on these dudes. It's right. Or maybe wait. I, I, I'm just I'm telling you, there, there's some wins in here. There's definitely some wins. Right, and given Billy Napier's track record, Shane, of winning one-score games, we got a lot of toss-ups here. Yeah. His history indicates we'll win more of these toss-up games than we'll lose. So I think you're 100% right. Let's get to the, the, the games I have listed as toss-ups, Shane. At Utah. Yeah. At Kentucky. Again, mm-hmm. I get it. Utah, whatever, Pac-12, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's garbage. That's a garbage league. Uh, and it's on the road. That's that's why it's a toss-up in my mind. At Kentucky, I, I mean, you could convince me that Florida fans expect a win there, but Kentucky's kind of owned them. And it's in yeah. Lexington, so that's why it's a toss-up for me. Yeah. Uh, at South Carolina, you beat the brakes off of them last year, but last time you were up there in Columbia, I realized – you know, that's got almost nothing to do with this year, but they beat you pretty bad up there. So, to mm-hmm. me, that's a toss-up. Unless, you know, we just repeat what we did last year, you could you could convince me that should be a win. And then Florida State, last game of the regular season. It is at home, but all the hype, the rivalry and all that, to me, that's a toss-up as well. Do you, any of those you, you disagree with should be a win or should be a loss? Well, uh, maybe the South Carolina one. Um I, I I get hell. I, I'm just again as a Florida fan. Mm-hmm. It's like when I'm looking at Kentucky and South Carolina, I'm expecting a win. When I'm looking at Tennessee, yeah, you know it's a tight game last year, but I'm still you know it's Tennessee. We've always beat them. Yeah. So I, I I think you could argue toss here on on a couple of these games, but I see your point, Kentucky. It's been a battle with them, especially right. in Lexington. And then South Carolina, you know. A lot of that, to me, Shane, has to do with where the game's played. If yeah, they, if I mean, these I get were in that. Gainesville, I would say should be wins. And I yeah. also think, uh, you know, trying to look at it a little bit through the eyes of Kentucky, they're ba- basically their season is made or broken by beating Florida because they, you know, it, it just seems like the, the years they're good, they beat Florida. They get over yeah. that hump, and the years right. they don't. So it's like their Super Bowl. It's in Lexington. To me, that's a toss-up. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you here. So that means, but only, even, uh, but that being said, Mike, yes. even you know, if you take forget what Billy has done in one-loss games, if this or if one-possession games, if if these two tosses, if he wins two of them, right. if he could just repeats what he does last year, you got eight wins right there, Mike. Mm-hmm. And then, so that means I only got two games where I think Florida is unlikely to win. And that's first one, of course, Georgia in Jacksonville. But, hell, Shane, I, I don't think – you know, obviously Florida and Georgia fans know this game well, but Florida was giving them a run for their money last year, <laughs> late in the third quarter, I'm just saying. So crazy things happen, and this was national champions versus a losing team. And it was a yeah. – I think the score was like 28-24 in the third – you know, it was like – it was less than a touchdown game. So – Crazy mm-hmm. things happen in rivalry, so 
Can't completely write that one off. And then at LSU, another one. Florida has had a hell of a lot of good fortune in Tiger Stadium. Uh, of course, that's just an incredibly difficult place to play. And, you know, I think the world of LSU. So that that's kind of why I'm chalking that up as a likely loss. Would you disagree with any of those? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And, and honestly, looking at those two, it, that makes that Arkansas a little bit more intriguing just mm-hmm. because it is sandwiched in between there. So you can't – you definitely can't sleep on that one. So, uh, right. yeah, that's a tough little stretch right there. All right, Chase. So let's go through it week by week and predict – how the Florida Gators are going to fare this season. And remember, we're doing this as Florida homers, which means get the hell out of here, Utah. (laughs) We're beating that ass again. I get it. They get all this hype. uh, This guy, Shane, I retweeted him just so Florida fans could kind of laugh at him. But he was a Utah writer, and he's breaking it down. He he says Utah is going to win 48 to 14 or something crazy. And he, he was going through, they got this guy, they got that guy. Well, we didn't know how to stop the run. Well, now we do. Blah 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 blah. I mean, it was it was kind of cute the way he was breaking yeah. it down. But uh, yeah, I I mean, I got no respect for Utah. Give give me a win there. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see Utah on TV every now and then because other than that, we ain't watching them. You know, we ain't watching their basketball teams. We ain't watching. I I can't ski. I ain't going up there. There's nothing fun or enticing. To me, when you say Utah, the only thing is I like point bl- point break, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Keanu Reeves, hey, he ain't on this ball club. So I'm going to tell you right now, in Florida Gate is going to start out with another victory. I told you last year happened. I'm telling you it's happening this year. Florida's going to shock the world right out of the gate. And this one, it's, this is when it's going to be too late to, mm-hmm. to, to put money in Vegas. So right. give me an easy win here. There is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah, give me two. It just amazes Shane all off season. They got to hear about how they suck and they're they're going to yeah. do this, they're going to do that, and Utah's going to whoop their ass and all this. Uh, I don't think they're going to be ready. You know, they say their their run defense and all that's improved. Well. I don't. Yeah. I doubt they got one single guy that's as big as any of these offensive linemen I just rattled off on the Florida game. Mike, you know, you know my what? favorite saying, right? You know, two years of playing these boys, how many wins in Florida Gators going to have? Two. Give me two, Utah. <laughs> Give me two. <laughs> All right. So the next week, Shane McNeese State, the home opener. Give me a yeah. break. It's a pick your score type game. Gators should win by 50, 60 points if they want to. Oh, perfect placement too. You know, you're coming off that high. You get a chance to kind of fix some problems, fix some holes that you had. This is another easy victory for the Florida Gators in prep for that Tennessee Volunteer game. Right, and that could be the game that defines the season. Shane, we can get we can get off to a three and and0 start. No one will see it coming. Uh, the ceiling will be raised, and and maybe we start to see some of that shades of. Kirby Smart, year two at Georgia. Nick Saban, year two at Alabama. They're great years they had. Maybe we get that, Shane. If old Joe Milton's down here overthrowing receivers, (laughs) he's throwing it into the stands because of the heat and humidity. Them rockets are stuck in the – in the just, you know, the just the swath that is the air down there in the swamp. Yeah. 
Give me a break, Tennessee. You ain't beating them Florida Gators in the swamp. Florida, you know, we said it best. I mean, they, they dominate this series, and they, they particularly dominate it. Even if Tennessee's got like a three-touchdown lead with 30 seconds left, they still find a way to come back and win the games in the swamp particularly has been a real house of horrors. I I think the this is going to be so much pressure, Shane, on them Tennessee yeah. Vols. No pressure on the Gators Give me them Gators to beat Tennessee to go 3-0. and oh, buddy, this was a tough one. I still can't believe you ain't got it as a toss when you look at them Vols. One thing that scares me about them is, is can the Florida Gators keep up? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Even if Joe Milton has a couple of bad drives, mm-hmm. a couple of good drives results in 14 points, and is this offense going to be able to duplicate that? They did it last year, and a lot of that had to do with Anthony Richardson. They ain't got him anymore. So it is in the swamp, and again, as a Florida Gator homer today, we don't lose to the Tennessee Vols. Give me another victory for the Florida Gators. Here's what concerns me, man, is because, like you said, this is the first big test. I don't want to say concern because, again, I'm still trying to – it's tough, Mike. This one's a tough one because I'm trying to be a Florida homer here. Mm-hmm. But Joe Milton – most likely isn't legit if I'm looking at it through a Florida lens. You know what I'm saying? This may be the game where we start seeing some real quarterback controversy for the Tennessee Vols. That's my prediction. The Swamp is not a fun place to play, man. It's dangerous. It's loud. It's chaotic. And if we're sitting there at 2-0, this place is going to be absolutely bonkers, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to be – this will be a hell of a matchup and a hell of a game. But – I think when you're looking, it's tough. You look at history and you say history doesn't matter. But sometimes that gets between your ears. It gets between my ears. And, and you know, hell, I turned 41 this year, Mike. We've lost more to Florida than we have won. So mm-hmm. I'm used to losing. And so I think that's why I'm going to give Florida Gators the edge as a, as, a, as a homer. There's no way we lose this year. And do you think Florida will be ranked, Shane, if they beat Utah and Tennessee right out the gate? Because I would argue they they probably deserve to be. Deserve to be because there's two top 25 teams you beat. You know what I'm saying? So, right. uh, and, and I don't even think it has to be like a barn burner. I mean, you could just barely beat them. Win by one. I still think you're going to be recognized as a top 25 program here. Mm-hmm. And, and again – the recruiting, man, uh, that's going on in the background. You're, you're, you're showing glimpses of, of what the future for the Swamp's going to look like. So, yeah, you're sitting pretty here in September. Yep. So that means the following week, Shane, I mean, we're sitting here saying they're top 25. No shot they lose to Charlotte. Give, give me another win there. Go to 4-0. Yes, don't don't sleep on them. It's not going to be a you know don't. What is that? What was the team that came up there last year? Was it South Florida or something that kind of yeah, gave them a little yeah. bit of run? This is kind of a, one of those programs. You can't get too cocky if you're coming off a big win. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think we I think again you start out four zero here. Now here's the tricky one, Shane. First SEC road matchup in Lexington. I've already said it. I think that's the Super Bowl for the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, I'm very high on Kentucky. They have kind of owned Florida. Billy Napier really needs to flip this series, Shane. Mm-hmm. I've given them a couple toss-ups already. I think i got to go the other way on this one. Give me Kentucky 4-1 and one still. I, I think both skaters will be happy with 4-1. and one. Yeah, this is, a again, a tough one because a lot of question marks on the Kentucky side. And uh, they – 
they've kind of had your number. Yeah, and, and one of the things I think Kentucky's going to be really good at is stopping the run. Mm-hmm. Another thing they're going to be really good at is passing the ball. Um, I I think that shit. I man, this is a tough one. I I'm, I think I'm glad you put it as a toss because I think this one's going to come down to the freaking wire, and. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to Kentucky for home field advantage here. I think the problem is Florida. Even best case scenario, there's a couple games on this schedule that are gonna go the opposite way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna sit up here and, and blow smoke and, and tell you they're gonna go 12 and 0 because they're not. There's gonna be some games that they drop. It may be the Tennessee game. It may be the Kentucky game. Maybe the South Carolina game. The Florida State. Those are my toss-ups. Uh, I think they lose two of those. So mm-hmm. this is the one I'm going to pick here, Kentucky. Yeah. So big revenge game, Shade Vanderbilt comes to town. I mean, it would just be an absolute disaster if Billy Napier goes 0-2 against Vanderbilt. I can't see it, Shane. I, this this won't be the most meaningful game for Billy Napier, but it, it kind of is for his career at least. You know, you just cannot afford. He's going to have his team locked in. Give me a win over Vanderbilt at home. Man, I am so torn. I really – I I know they're going to beat Vanderbilt. That's not the problem. But I, I keep going back to September 16th, man. <laughs> I just don't know why you don't have that as a toss. I, I get the perspective, but knowing these two programs and where they're at and the trajectory of their – I'm afraid. Afraid I missed one there, Mike. That one. That one. Have I done? Have we done that? Have we gone back in time? <laughs> no, but we, there, there's always an opportunity to do it. <laughs> you know, as many times Florida Gators have gutted me, I'm going to gut them. <laughs> Go back September 16th. They lose by one. Sorry, I just I said it. I said it. I, and it's not. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. But I, I do truly think that there's a couple toss-ups on this game that they lose. Mm-hmm. And I think Kentucky's the one that scares me because they've done it often. Yeah. And then the Tennessee one. And the reason the Tennessee one scares me is because the way that team plays, the way Tennessee plays and the way Florida plays, they can't just go toe-to-toe. What Billy tried to do last year was slow these guys down and establish the running game. And, you know, Hopple didn't have it. Next thing you know, it turned into a shootout. And if that happens, man – I don't know if if they've got the power on the outside and in the quarterback room to compete with with Tennessee Vol. So, yeah. dude, I hate to do it, guys. I tried. I, I tried. Oh my god, I tried so hard. But that's my losses: Tennessee and Kentucky. Those are the two losses on the tosses. Well, and not that four and two is a great midway mark, Shane. But I think Florida fans would not forget over that either given all this negativity that people are saying about their program. Yeah. Uh, four and two, again, not awful by any stretch. So how about the the next game, Shane? At South Carolina, you dominated them. And South Carolina might have something for Florida, you know, up their sleeve, so to speak, with special teams, Beamer ball. And you never know what you're going to get out of Spencer Rattler. If he's red hot, you're mm-hmm. not winning in Williams-Brice Stadium, Shane. But you know what travels? Running game. Offensive yeah. line, South Carolina cannot stop the run. I don't think they're. I think that's one of the biggest issues that no one's talking about. I don't think South Carolina is going to be able to stop the run this year, and that is disaster in conference play. So give me the Florida Gators. A little bit of an upset here on the road. I'm up to 
six and one on the season. Yeah, and I'm going five and two, Mike. And the reason is just what you mentioned, the running game. And this is why I went back and forth with South Carolina and Tennessee here. And I went with Tennessee winning because South Carolina, I don't think can stop that run if they get going here. And that that's dangerous, man. That is a dangerous one-two combo. And that hurts you. When you're talking October, we got some bruises, man. We got yeah. some sore players. And if they just keep hitting you with one-two punch, maybe even one-two-three punch, with this with this running game, that that could be deadly. So I like Florida Gators here. Yep. But two weeks to prepare for what could be the number one team in the country, Shane. Them Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville. I'd love to uh spin this in, in Florida's favor, but <laughs> until further notice, Shane, yeah. I'm not picking against Georgia unless we're talking to spread uh, in any matchup in the regular season. Give me Georgia. And just kind of go into that game hoping your team can can keep, you know, make it a ball game going into the fourth quarter. Maybe you could pull off some kind of miracle. Well, and I, I will say this, out of all the games Georgia played last year, there was a handful that were, you know, weren't just blowouts. And this one yep. was one of them. I felt like Florida played them tough. Uh, I, I feel like they'll play them tougher this year. The defense really did. I mean, they did pretty much everything they could. Yeah. But, uh, again, I'm with you here. Until further notice, we've got to go with them Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I'm really glad you, you paid attention to this game, Shane, and noted Arkansas sandwiched between Georgia and LSU because I think aside from Tennessee and Kentucky – I think this Arkansas game is the most important on the schedule if we're talking for Florida to meet and exceed expectations because this could very easily be a backslide here. KJ, Rocket, they, they get hot. You can't stop them. Maybe Georgia, you know, beat the hell out of you or, or at least beat you physically. Yeah. This is a nightmare matchup here. You got to hope that the home field crowd – carries you and you can beat the Arkansas Razorbacks I'll give Florida the edge Shane but I'm very mm-hmm. very nervous about this matchup here uh for the Florida Gators I, I think it's one of the biggest games on the on the schedule so give me the give me the Gators so I'm up to six and two but scary scary game right here yeah I I, I think this one is the, the most dangerous game on the schedule and uh it's easy to pencil in a win here as a Florida homer, but, you know, when you really start thinking about it, like you said, Arkansas's got some dudes, man. And if KJ's play, if he's balling out, if if Rocket's balling out, I mean, does your defense have enough to, to keep those boys under control? And I think the biggest question, marks is on the Arkansas defense side. Can they stop this running game? Uh, I, I think that's what it boils down to in this matchup, and I'm going to give Florida the edge just because it's one thing to have one good running back. It's another to have two. And, and again, I think that's what you do. You, you, there's reason you bring in all this girth up front because you're leaning mm-hmm. on them. They are, they are going to become bulldozers, and it may not be pretty. It may be three yards, four yards at a time, <laughs> but it's going to keep moving the chains. It's going to keep your defense off the field, and that's how you're going to win games late in the season. So give me, an, uh, give me a Florida win here. Yeah, and, mo- and most importantly, keep K.J. Jefferson off the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, next matchup, Shane. At LSU, rivalry. I mean, crazy things happen. Uh, I, this was going to be a personal game to Billy Napier. He wanted that LSU job when he was dominating down there in Louisiana. They didn't even give him a serious look for whatever reason. 
Maybe he makes them pay, Shane. But I still like LSU, Tiger Stadium. It's probably a night game. It's always a night game down there in Tiger Stadium. So give me LSU in this one. Mm, I tell you what, I, we've yet to see. I, I don't want to. I don't want to cash in on Billy's win over Utah last year as a signature win, but it's coming. You don't know where it's going to be. You don't know who it's going to be. This one right here is the one I've got my eyes on because of how close they always play. Some of the best best games I've ever watched were between these two programs right here, and I don't expect anything different this season. So I'm going to give LSU the edge here, but as a homer, I'm telling you, buddy, if I'm going to pick an upset, it's going to be this one. Mm, man, you hate LSU. All right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Shane, at Missouri, again, another tricky game. This Missouri-Florida game has been a lot closer of a series than a lot of people realize. You could easily talk me into Missouri, this defense, maybe the offense shows some signs of life, and they are a massive spoiler to the Florida Gators. But give me them Gators, Shane. Same thing as South Carolina. Running game travels. Defense travels. I don't know how much to respect Missouri's offense. So I could see Missouri winning it, but I'm taking them Gators to get to their eighth win of the season right here. Yeah, this is a tough one, man. I kind of miss the old, you know, Dan, Eli getting at each other. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I miss the lightsaber days. But but this has always been a kind of a sneaky good matchup. And um, I, I, I'm not going to expect – I mean – Florida's got to fight, man. I Even in the perfect schedule, you're fighting for your life every single Saturday, mm -hmm. and this will be no different. Missouri is tough, especially at home. If you're overlooking it, you're coming off that high of almost beating LSU or even beating them, it's like you forget there's other Tigers, man. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this Mizzou team, you know I'm high on them. I love them. I think they're great. Uh, but one of the things – I guess question marks I have is again, that defensive front, you know, would they be able to stop these boys late this season? So as a Homer, I'm going to get Florida to the edge once again. Now I know you had no respect Shay, for them Seminoles nope. and nope. the home crowd down there in the swamp won't either shade, but you know, I mean, seems to be more and more people buying the Florida state bandwagon. This is going to be an opportunity for Billy Napier and them Gators to really get some momentum going into the offseason, swing this rivalry back in their favor. But I don't see it, Shane. Give me them no's. <laughs> That'll be it'll be a disappointing way to end oh, the regular season. The nose? But oh. eight and four for me for the Florida Gators. I, I, hell, that's a lot better than Vegas thinks they'll do. Mike, I'm telling you right now, we started this pod talking about punters. We're going to end it talking about punters. <laughs> I don't know who Florida State's punter is, but you're going to see him plenty of times on November 25th coming out there as the Florida Gators close out the season with another victory. So give me eight and four. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I think Florida fans, you know, again, you that's not the standard. That's not what you're going for, but it's a significant step in the right direction, an opportunity to win a ninth game. With a bowl win, yeah, I think a lot of Florida fans would be happy with a nine-win season this fall. Vegas can't, don't think you win six, you know. And here we got eight potentially nine wins here, brother. I'm, I, I think people are sleeping a little bit on the Florida Gators. They're shitting on them all all off season. That's that's been the the running joke. But that's what we want. Nobody wants Florida to be good because they're scared of Florida Gators. You know, when they're mm -hmm. good. 
they stop winning as much. And and I think that's one of the things you're trying to keep a thumb down on them, but you can't. They're, they're starting to recruit. They're starting to load up. Billy's getting these boys where he wants. I, I truly think this locker room was broken last year. I wasn't there. I don't know. But it just showed with the inconsistency. I think I think we get more of a team play this year, brother. And sometimes when you're playing together as a team, you win. You pick up games that you weren't supposed to win. So right. I, I think Florida's a surprise this year. Um, and I'd love for him to close out beating up on them Seminoles. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Well, you got anything? before we hop off the line no man that's it this was a again i apologize Gators. they're like wait a minute did Shay just backstab us on florida florida love show no so i just i i just want to be realistic man i mean that is a can it happen yes but i'm still trying to defend it mike i know i'm gonna hear it on twitter tomorrow so but i ain't got anything else all right brother well i appreciate you as always i appreciate all the cousins out there Remember, rate, review, subscribe, do all that. Get you a beer koozie free of charge. That's just our way of saying thanks. We're less than a week away from SEC Media Days. We'll see you there, and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Gators. (laughs) Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.